0: Hello and welcome to Not Couple Goals, the podcast where we talk about the best and let's face it worst in romantic thriller cinema. I am Allie Nelson and I'm here with my co-host
1: Tyler McCarthy and this episode we're discussing the 1990 movie Ghost, directed by Jerry Zucker, written by Bruce Joel Rubin and starring the late Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore and Tony Goldwyn. So If you somehow haven't seen Ghost before, consider this your spoiler alert, go watch it, come on back, because we're gonna get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of not couple goals. This is a big one, because we are joined by a very special guest. He is the editor in chief of the popbreak.com He is the pod father of this podcast and many others. He is my love, my darling. He's Bill Bodkin. Welcome to the show.
2: That's kind of weird. Uh, you know, we are recording this in October. You guys have been married for a month. I believe the love of your life is, you know, right beside you. We've yeah. talked about it. We've heard yeah.
1: about it. No, we haven't.
0: <laughs> I, when he said my love, I thought he was actually referring to me and was going
1: to say something. Just doing a cheap rip off of the song yeah. and um, uh, no uh, regrets. Don't <laughs> worry. Our tradition here at Not Couple Goals, first and foremost, before we get into the movie, Bill, I want to ask you, what is your overall relationship to romantic thrillers? I know you do a lot of just based on your life, like me, very nerd culture stuff. So I'm curious what your relationship is to this genre specifically.
2: Well, um, my relationship to this genre is uh, a lot of the films on your list of, hey, what do you want to pick from? I'm like, my wife has definitely made me watch this movie because my wife has this very, um, she has this, uh, trait when it comes to movie going, she'll watch literally anything. I cannot begin to tell you how many times I have seen the Steve Martin directed shop girl. The answer 20 times easily (laughs) Indian summer, that weird coming of age movie with Adam Arkin. I've seen it like at least 10 times. like, I have seen a lot of bad movies, a lot of times, but romantic thrillers, she will always throw them on. Um, she 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 says I needed to broaden my horizons. You know, when we first met, I wore a lot of wide leg jeans and shitty bar t-shirts. <laughs> wide leg jeans were probably about 10 years out of fashion at that time. And I didn't watch a, sh- a lot of horror movies or really diversify my portfolio in a lot of things. Whether movies, music, food, fashion, obviously. So my wife has uh, opened my um, opened my third eye. when it comes to all that so yeah so that's how um i if there's any type of movie like a romantic thriller i'm sure i've watched it and i'm sure i've cringed at many of them but there are some maybe the one we're talking about today that are pretty good it sounds like our wives would get along they seem to have a penchant for
1: making big goofballs like us better people who also kind of like
2: romantic thrillers (laughs) You you really saved it from the intro.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, not yet, uh, let's I'll not get you, ahead of ourselves. I'll make yeah.
2: you dinner or something, or
1: like I'll order it on my phone. So when it comes to this movie specifically, Bill, we're kicking off spooky season with Ghost, which is very appropriate. We were very happy you picked it. I want you to cast your mind back to the first time you saw Ghost. Tell us all about it. Most specifically, tell us what you expected from this movie going in. What did a wide-eyed Bill think he was going to see when he stepped up to the plate to watch
2: Ghost? All right. So one great thing about having me on a podcast is I'm not young. So I was like nine or ten when the Ghost phenomenon hit the world. I mean, you could not turn around even as a child in grade school you could not turn around without bumping into that trailer on tv or someone talking about it or someone spoofing the pottery scene in in movies or tv or ads that being said um i didn't watch it until uh 2014 really (laughs) i was not very wide-eyed at the time it was about two o'clock in the morning i was in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. It was Thanksgiving Eve morning, and my wife was in labor uh, with my Whoa. daughter. <laughs> so the story goes, Sophie was supposed to be born like the week before Christmas. So my wife starts her um, her maternity leave. Uh, I drive to my office at, down in Asbury Park at the time, and I get a call at like 6.45 in the morning uh, with a message of, Hey, my water broke. How fast can you get home? By the way, we're not prepared. So I don't, I'm not a fast <laughs> driver. I gunned it at like 90 home. I got home from Astray Park in like 20 minutes. It's not a 20 minute ride to my Whoa. house. Um, my dog is just sitting here looking at me like, there is something terribly wrong here. <laughs> Raced to the hospital and then had to wait for days. So we were in a hospital. We're at St. Peter's in New Brunswick. Put on AMC. Legend of Bagger Vance is on. Love that movie. Watched it. My wife's all all gooned up on, on painkillers. Um, I think right before Ghost started, she said, hey, can I get another epidural? And they're like, no. And she goes, oh, man, that's a bummer. <laughs> my wife has never used the word, phrase, that's a bummer before or since. She sounds so groovy. She was completely. So I watched Ghost for the first time. <laughs> During the entire two hour run was from start to when the labor pains really started coming to almost the end of the movie where my daughter was born. So in between pushes and breathing and changing of stuff, I'd be watching Ghost because I hadn't slept in a day. Uh, It was about 50 degrees in the room because my wife was sweating so much because, you know, labor. Um, (laughs) I had been sleeping on a very small ledge of a window. Trust me, I'm not complaining. It's just good for the story. But <laughs> I was just watching Ghost. And then it was like, hey, this baby's coming now. And I'm like, oh, I guess I got to miss the end of Ghost. <laughs> but my daughter, being the considerate little girl that she is, was born in time for me to see the end of Ghost. And then I had to run down to the NICU because she was a month early. That ended at quarter to five in the morning. So my first memory of Ghost is my favorite memory because it was the time when my daughter was born. And um, it's a wild time. You know, you're seeing a kid born. You're just sitting there. I'm just like, oh, shit, that's a kid. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't freak out. I was like, oh, look at that.
1: Wow.
2: Who knew? Well, Patrick Swayze is doing the ugly cry face at the same time. And I'm like, I'm holding it together, Swayze. But <laughs> regardless, my expectations were. Well, it's Ghost. It's supposedly a classic. Everyone's seen it but me. Spoiler, that happens a lot. Um, (laughs) My wife was like, yeah, it's a classic. How did you not see it when you were a kid? I'm like, well, you never met Bill and Doris Bodkin, the conservative of conservatives. So I said, they probably watched it, but not me. But I was like, all right, I guess this is a classic. I guess I have to buckle up. And boy, there's so many things to talk about with this movie. Yeah, and we're going to get into all of them.
0: I want to know what you thought going in.
2: I do actually have a story about the first
1: time I saw Ghost. I was in the sixth grade, and I was over at a friend's house. It was two girls, uh, one of which I had a crush on. The other, Uh, I had a
2: bigger crush on. uh, I was in the sixth
1: grade. I had a crush on literally every woman I met.
2: Same. Right? Pretty much.
1: And they wanted to watch Ghost, and I was like, oh, I don't know, chick flick, because I was not a bright sixth grader and they were like look if you watch it Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg are going to hook up and I was like that cannot be true first of all I resent the implication that just seeing two women hook up is enough to make me want to watch a movie I don't want to watch that said I 100% want to see whatever it is you're talking about so they fired up Ghost we watched it in fact when we watched it this time like I had a memory that In that scene, like if you haven't watched the movie, you should have. But in that scene, it's like him possessing Whoopi Goldberg. So you see Patrick Swayze kissing or like having a tender moment with Demi Moore. But like the audience knows it's Whoopi Goldberg's body. They don't actually kiss. I remembered them kissing just because of when I saw that as a kid and the way it was sold to me. But so when I when I saw Ghost the first time, I wasn't expecting anything other than a very convoluted reason for these two actresses to hook up <laughs> at some point that oh, i guess didn't or, end up happening. or
2: better off you're like hmm, i'm going to impress these two girls i really have huge crushes on by watching this film i believe spoiler alert nothing happened
1: uh no no to to this day i i moved in with one of them technically
2: <laughs> when oh. i
1: when i first moved to new york i was like by- cuz that's a weird story <laughs> not to
2: bring your wife? No. And- <laughs> All right. By the
1: time in 2014, by the time I was ready to move to New York, uh, Karen was a ver- became a very close platonic friend, and she helped me find an apartment uh, that she lived in. But other than that, yeah, no, absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> Classic. How about you, Allie? What was what did, when when did you first see Ghost, and what were you expecting going in?
0: I believe my parents rented it because I have a vivid memory of like being around two or three and all I remember of the movie is the, the, the demon things that come and take the bad people to hell. That's all I remember. That's so I That's
2: frightening for a child. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I, I think it imprinted on my brain and I also think, and I'm not even joking, I think it somehow influenced my beliefs in what happens after you die for like a good chunk of my childhood. Like I think that I just thought like that's what hell was and like I must have mixed like the times that my parents brought me to church because we didn't go very often but like that with Ghost and then when I did watch Ghost when I was probably like 12 I was like oh that's where that came from (laughs) I thought I imagined that that's
2: why I didn't get those religion test questions right (laughs) because I said what happens when you die well either a flashlight shines (laughs) from the ceiling or like weird shadow puppets take you
0: yeah I screamed about the shadow monsters a lot so then eventually like by the time i saw it when i probably was i think like 12 ish or so i probably watched it on tv i would think i had already seen somehow like the majority of you know like you just see things through like pop culture references and you kind of absorb it so i did i don't think i ever had like a clear like i don't know what this movie's about and now i'm gonna watch it sort of moment with ghost i think i had seen too much by the time i actually watched it but that being said, like when I actually watched it for the first time, not edited for TV, all of that, I was like, oh, this movie is so much more than what I thought it was, you know, versus like all of these sort of pop culture-y like homages and stuff that I'd seen, like parodies.
1: Yeah. So that is what we all thought the movie was going to be about. But now Ali's going to give us a very brief recap of what the movie's actually about.
0: So we start with a couple, Sam and Molly, and they are just moving in together. They're in New York, early, like late 80s New York. So they're moving in together. They have a best friend who also works with Sam, who, uh, who is Patrick Swayze. He is Carl, Tony Goldwyn. And the two of them, I believe, work in a bank. I don't know what their titles are exactly. It's some sort of bank, like the higher, higher ups there. So Sam and Molly moving in together. They're very much in love. Somehow Sam gets word of something being a little strange in some of the accounts going on at work. And he kind of talks, you know, talks to his friend Carl, starts fiddling with it. And somehow that gets him involved in something nefarious. He and Molly end up, you know, going out for a nice old night out to see Macbeth. They end up walking through an alleyway. Mugger comes, fights, worst thing happens. Patrick Swayze, you know, gets shot. He believes he's chasing after the, the mugger and then realizes that he's dead. So then we find out he's dead and he needs to still be on Earth, though, because he realizes that Molly is in trouble. Demi Moore, Molly is in trouble. So with the help of Whoopi Goldberg, who is Oda May, she is like a shysty psychic lady. The first ghost she actually interacts with is Patrick Swayze. So he teams up with her to help save Molly and uh, figure out why he was killed that night. And that's the that's the description I'm going to give.
1: The long and short of Ghost. We'll get into more details right now cuz we're just going to open it up to general thoughts about Ghost and Bill. Let's let you kick it off. What was your biggest takeaway from watching Ghost in 2022? What's the thing you came here dying to talk about?
2: Real estate Like how much do they pay for that cavernous (laughs) apartment that must've cost like a nickel and three buttons. It's just because he's a, he's like a, he's an, he's a, he is the generic money guy. It's just like, is it the eighties? Is it wall street? It's money. Who cares? And so it's just like, that's what he is. And then Demi Moore is like an artist who makes like weird, like obelisks that she just kind of made some cut, cuts into it's like congratulations it's just like and I'm like how do you afford this and it's just like New York looks, is so bad it looks so bad everywhere around like when they were walking past when they were doing the the Bruce Wayne parents get assassinated walk back from the theater I was like <laughs> I said to my wife I'm like those buildings are worth like a hundred million dollars yes easily everything in there is just worth just it's just dripping money right now and back then it was like new york was still kind of like do you really have to go to the city at this point it's maybe not the best idea uh type of world before uh you know that mayor whose name i won't mentioned the the star of uh, the borat sequel uh <laughs> yeah when he came in and Disney disneyfied everything so which is uh, like kind of a slap in the face to disney at this point too because mm. uh but yeah that's my first thing i'm like how much did you pay for this and how much is that apartment worth right now and why do you have to bring in this like one-winged angel into your apartment because this is weird. Um
1: yes. <laughs> Yeah, was that her sculpture or was it just a sculpture she liked?
2: I, I'm just like, did you get this from a rummage sale from an old burnt-out church from the Crow, which didn't <laughs> until four years later? But that's what it seemed like. I, I was like, I could see her being like, I found this at St. Stanislaus of the Bronx, which is actually my grandfather I'm referencing, is like, you know, it's like, do we get it from that church because it burnt down because of someone you know, throw a bottle, like a Molotov cocktail through it, because that that was New York in the 70s. Like, that's what it feels like. I don't think she, she don't, she's not that good, in my opinion. Her art kind of sucks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this, This harkens back to a time that was, like, very specific in the 80s, where, yeah, New York, once the sun went down, is depicted as just a just a war zone i i you made it was <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had it in my notes too that uh you made the joke early but i was like yeah they passed by batman's parents corpses just before he gets murdered
2: in crime oh, alleys. Oh. Sorry, Mr. Sorry, Mr. Wayne didn't mean to stiffen your blood. But um, my dad lived in the 70s in the Lower East Side, I think where they were. And like, he used to run up, walk upstairs and see people walking downstairs with his stuff. And, he's just oh like, my God. and he'd be like, well, I'm not going to fight four guys. <laughs> he's just like, I didn't need those chairs. So, you know, he's like, that happened to him all the time. But like, it was really bad. The other thing is, like, why, when people are doing art or construction, was white the choice? It's mm-hmm. just like in the beginning. It's just like it's just like, honey, let's break down this wall. I'm not gonna wear a shirt. This guy who's gonna murder me is not wearing a shirt. We're gonna wear white jeans. You wear all white as well. It's just like there are so many choices to be made <laughs> in this <laughs> film. Also, Whoopi Goldberg, wanna? Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah we go nuts. Whoopi Goldberg. What, Whoopi Goldberg won a fucking Oscar for this. Yes. And she was against like really good talent in really good movies. And she won for this. And I'm like, how is that possible? But that year was a bad year for nominations. Like Al Pacino got nominated for Dick Tracy. It's like, (laughs) it was like 1991 was just like, guys, we're all coked out of our minds. What's the craziest shit we can think of? Nominate Al Pacino for wearing a big nose, and Whoopi Goldberg is going to beat Annette Bening. Do it! It's just like uh, it's—it's so over the top. This movie.
0: (laughs) This movie won two Oscars, though. It all—it won. It was no. No, I thought it won. No, no,
2: it won two. It was nominated for best picture. Yeah,
0: it was nominated for best picture. I'm sorry, it won best screenplay. It It won won for Whoopi Goldberg and best screenplay. And do
2: you know who directed this film? The guy who directed Airplane. (laughs) this film and then later his brother and he produced a film where they parodied got in hot shots they parodied the 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 pottery scene it's like oh my there's so much happening everyone who is
1: attached to this not struggled to break away from it because why break away from it it's a hit but like yeah it was part of their career going forward like Even Whoopi Goldberg, like, still is like the person from Ghost. In addition to a bunch of other things,
0: a lot of these people who were already pretty established, like Demi Moore, was part of the Brat Pack, and like Patrick Swayze was Patrick Swayze by then. People
2: were Swayze crazy back then. He was coming off literally a thing. Roadhouse
1: and uh, a movie I hadn't heard of, but we'll get into it when we uh, get into the trivia. But yeah, it made it. This it took a lot of established people and like launched them into this career
2: stratosphere. Demi Moore became Demi Moore from like serious actress from this because you remember after this was like a few good men and indecent proposal and disclosure and then she had a couple other films in there that i'm just like like completely whiffing up.
0: well
2: i was gonna say that but i'm like that was when things started going down
0: yeah Yeah. that was that was when she was like the the highest paid actress in hollywood for gi jane that was 20 million dollars yeah
2: and or 15 something like that And so she like this, this is like, she was just like, you know, St. Elmo's fire, which is a terrible movie. Uh, (laughs) But it's like, she was like in that brat pack. And then it was like, she became the serious actress. She became the breakout star of that. And this just I don't know. I don't think Swayze had too many more hits after this, but he was, he was like the king of that time. He was like, Oh God, you know? And then Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, she went on to do sister act right after this, which was a massive hit for her and she would do all of these voices. So she went on to have this amazing career too, because she had a good career, but the Oscar really just made it like she is royalty. Because also this was height Whoopi Goldberg with like Comic Relief, which now I haven't thought of Comic Relief since I was nine, but it comes back now, is like she would, these were like everyone was at that peak. And then Tony Goldwyn, well, he's had a really solid career, and then he was the president on um scandal which was his claim to fame
0: yeah He directed one of my guilty pleasure romantic comedies that I watch.
2: So uh, one
1: of the things, Bill, you mentioned was comic relief. And uh, obviously that's the organization. But in reading about this movie, a lot of people, a lot of the actors were saying they were nervous because it is like a love story. But there's also this sort of comedy subplot, which is basically anytime Whoopi Goldberg is on screen. So looking back now, I wanted to ask you both. What do you think of the balance of this really dramatic, heartfelt like, tragedy of a movie that happens to these two people and, like, how they balance the tone of Otome Brown.
0: I actually think it was really smart. I was thinking that last night when we were watching because I think that last night was probably the fourth time that I've actually, like, sat down and watched it and not just, like... You know, stumbled upon it on TNT or something. And I think it's really smart because I think without Whoopi Goldberg and without that levity that she brings, it is a really, really, really sad movie <laughs> about death and a man like dying at this promising point in his relationship and like at a youthful time for him, like of a
1: betrayal <laughs> from his best friend. Yeah.
0: So I think that if it wasn't, if she was not in there to break it up, it would just be kind of hard to watch. And you would just be thinking about like death the whole time and like, their own mortality
1: yeah and there would be it'd be the helplessness that poor uh shwayze has when it, when he sees willie lopez like come to his apartment and has his wallet like it's such a moment of relief and a godsend that he is able to like have this connection to the physical world but i also understand where the actors thought it was risky bill what did you what did you think
2: oh i agree with ali man you you need this movie doesn't work if it's so heavy because it's just like a it's just like it's like misery porn at that point because it's just like how sad is patrick swayze how sad is Demi moore and then there's even more sadness it whoopi goldberg isn't there to break everything up because patrick swayze also works really well with her they have a great chemistry yeah and and like that's what really helps it out like when he's singing i'm henry the eighth i am like <laughs> it's and her reactions to it it's like it's genuinely funny Because God, if it wasn't, I don't think it would be the classic it is today. Like it wouldn't be held in his esteem because it would just be like, that's the most miserable movie you're ever going to see.
1: Yeah, it would just be just a slog to watch. Although the King Henry the 8th I Am song is a very funny moment, but there's almost like a throwaway line from Demi Moore later where she's like, that's how he got me to go out with him for the first time. Not cute, not well, yeah. cute. <laughs> we don't
0: know the context of it. I don't think he was like standing, staying in her bedroom and singing it the way he was <laughs> to Whoopi Goldberg. But like, yeah, it, it was maybe weird. Like, I don't know what he was doing. Like, he I don't harangued
2: know her going. until she agreed to go out with it. Yeah, and I'm sure like he had like his shirt half open too. It's just like, oh dang, I guess I'll have to go out with this hunk of man. You know, it's just like you know, wasn't like me doing it. So it was like, it's Patrick Swayze in his prime, guys. Like we see much later on like she definitely did laundry on his stomach at some point. Cause that is, <laughs> like, it's ridiculous.
0: It actually, it was weird to me that the scenes where he's in a suit, I kept being like this. I don't think I've ever seen him in a suit before. I've seen him, you know, in dirty dancing and like, Point Break came out the next year and Tu Wong Fu, where he is a drag queen. Like, I've never seen him just straight up be like in a suit. So, it was so every time he was in a suit, I was like, I don't, I feel like it doesn't gel for me. Like, I kept being like, that doesn't work on him. Especially like early
2: 90s. Oh, go ahead, though. He looked like a little kid in his dad's suit because, yeah, yeah, because he had the shoulder pads in there. So, he just looked like he looked real boxy. And I'm like, That's not Swayze, he's not boxy.
1: Every man in the early 90s was wearing, even like the early 2000s too, the most baggy, billowy suits imaginable. And as like a a heavier man, I appreciate when bagginess is in fashion, but now suits in the 90s and early 2000s and and 80s, like, I'm sorry,
2: guys. First off, the correct terminology is barrel chested or uh, husky. That is a (laughs) more, uh, or a, you know, uh, uh, was it Rubenesque? No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck it. It's like, don't say heavy. Uh, I but, like barrel-chested. I'm going to use that Barrel-chested. But yeah, it was. Like he looked like, or that he was like a guy who was just like, well, I have to go to court today. So who gave me a loaner suit?
0: Yeah.
2: You know? yeah. It was so bad. Like, he did not fit a banker. Yeah, like, like, I do anymore.
0: like the, the generic sort of. They were just like he. They work in bank. Like they don't work as tellers, but they work in bank. Like they don't really explain what his job is. We just know he works for the bank somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you also, the bank on Wall stuff
2: Street. is so weird because it's just like we got to do the wire transfer. Okay, I need your MAC number, and I'm like, wait, you no, know, how are you? You're using an ATM to like transfer nine hundred thousand dollars like what and he has not in the little thing because they had mac machines back then they weren't atms it's it was i feel like that was all bullshit as someone from the 90s would have been like this is not how it happened no way <laughs> i would love to talk to someone who worked in bank at that time and be like can you transfer money like this and they're like no of course not
1: there there was also that scene where he like He realizes the $4 million is gone because... Uh, Sam and Otome did some, like, cleverness at the bank. Oh, he's he, that clever. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's sitting so there refreshing the program and panicking. And then at one point he, like, gets up and tries it on another computer. And there was something about that to me that was like, this is very 90s. This mentality of, like, the program doesn't work here. I'll bet it's the machine. It's like, no, man, you're, you're just screwed. I mean,
0: maybe sometimes it was the machine though. Like, my home computer in the 90s would fuck up all the time and I would be like, I bet like it's just this
2: computer (laughs) maybe yeah i mean and then he's going through the large printout he's like going through pages like where is it i'll find this number it's like you won't come on (laughs) but it it was a nice callback to earlier when patrick swayze was freaking out over stuff but also not the best callback either because you totally forget it
1: yeah and it was also just jarring to see uh Like, well, first of all, it was jarring for me because the subway stop that they kept using to get off at Wall Street was like one I used to use when I worked in the financial district. And it is just like there is a reality to the idea of all of these like men in suits talking about banking. And like no one quite knows what the fuck they're saying, including them. And I do think the movie did a good job of like just, you know, it's banking stuff. There's four million dollars on the line and uh, he needs this code from his little black book in order to get in it. it wasn't well drawn out, but it did explain everything the audience needed, which I think is a lot of this movie. It doesn't. It, it gets a, it. gets into very heady topics that like a lesser writer would have been like, "What happens when you die?" No, this movie isn't super interested in answering that question. It answers
0: it. It gives you like enough where you're like, "Okay, heaven, hell, done." Yeah,
2: uh, but yeah, it, they're very economic on this. Yeah. Story yes. Listen, we don't give a shit about the bank. We don't give a shit about the afterlife. We are really going to focus on the weird guy in the subway. But Is there
0: a God? Who the fuck knows? We're not going to address that. Yeah,
2: like, just assume yes. We don't want to piss off the Catholics. You know, it's just like, that was the answer to that one. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, there's. it's all about just sad. And then... I actually think there's more humor than sad at times in this, but it's just, there's a lot. Everyone is, it very conveniently believes everybody, except for random Steven Root, who is a young cop. Yes, <laughs> he's
0: in everything. We, we always talk about how he's in everything, and then he just appears in this movie we're watching from 1990. Yeah.
2: The
1: other day we were talking about how he's just in everything, and then our food delivery arrived. It was him delivering it. Swear to God, that's a true story that happened.
2: He's just like, listen, time <laughs> guys. Like COVID, you know, and he was just like, "All right, Stephen Root, thanks for my cheeseburger." That Uh, not to
1: not to get into the trivia too early, but that scene in the detective's office was actually the first one that they shot, which is interesting to me because it's there's so much dense plot being discussed in that one scene that it's interesting that that's where they kicked off,
0: but. That's, I mean, that's probably just where the location yeah. is allowed for. You know, like, a lot of the time it's just locations. Like, that. I'm I'm not even joking. Like, that's when you you yeah. set your set list and, like, your your filming list because you you have this location on this day or, and you don't have the other one cleared yet, you know?
1: So to get into a little bit more, I wanted to ask you both. This was a question I came in wanting to ask both of you. This movie has a ton of ghosts besides Patrick Swayze. Uh, a lot of them way more friendly than him. I remember writing in my notes, when he dies... Every ghost he encounters, even the brand new ones at the hospital, are just way more friendly and seem to know what's going on instead of him. As he's walking around, like trying to stop his own body from going to the morgue, there's like an old guy there who clearly just died, and his wife's about to die, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, it's either the rates or it's the nice light from people." Anyway, I'm out of here. That,
0: that guy had been dead for a little while because he yeah. was telling him the ropes.
1: But was he just hanging out at the hospital waiting yeah. for his wife?
0: Yeah, he I came don't... to the hospital because his wife was dying.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. I see. Yeah, Either just, way, he's waiting for her to die so they can go together.
1: Oh, well, that's now, now that's sweet. Now I feel like an ass. But I wanted to ask you both who your favorite ghost was besides Patrick Swayze.
0: I kind of liked the random lady during his funeral who's just like, hey, he's like, waving at him.
2: She <laughs> <Just laughs> decides to do a, a, a little skip through her own tombstone. headstone
0: was it her own tombstone or was Jeez. it like I that boggled him. my
1: mind too because like are you just hanging out at your tombstone if i'm a ghost i'm never visiting my tombstone because why that's just sad i, don't think
0: I would visit it to see what they chose for me give my opinion on it and even if they're not going to hear my opinion i'm going to give
2: my <laughs> opinion like uh, you like, know, really well, had to use that type of stone exactly did you do
1: courier for my
2: headstone font is that How? Kind of insane, you piece of shit? <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate disrespect. It is the ultimate disrespect. I like the one ghost who ended up like just who got just was just like, I i can't take this anymore and I'm just going to jump into Whoopi Goldberg and just yes. kind like, of be like, what are you doing with your hair? I don't <laughs> like it. Just like kind of like you said with the tombstones, like I don't like your hair. I was waiting for him to comment about the weird guy that was with her, just like, who are you? Like it just like, but um, yeah, he was my favorite. He seemed like a nice... Like, if I was a ghost, I'd want to hang out with him. I feel like he'd have good stories.
0: I didn't, I didn't like the lack of consent, though, that he did.
2: That's true. He was a piece yeah. of shit when it came to that.
0: Yeah, nowadays, we wouldn't have that kind of lack of consent with our ghosts, I, I think.
1: I also like the energy of just, like, going into the body, and the only thing you want to talk about is that you don't like the hair. Like, look, if I'm going to be haunting you, I'm going to be watching you a lot. And the hair, it's not, not it for me, dog. Oh. I... I'll go ahead and mention the uh subway guy because one, he's integral to the plot. And two, a little it. more a little more from him. And this is just a straight up superhero movie. Like once he teaches Patrick Tracy how to manipulate the corporeal world, the whole like the whole game changes. He like straight up gets to punch that guy in the kitchen. Like it's yeah. a whole thing. And I, I loved that. If you've lived in new york city for any amount of time you have seen the kind of unwell person on the subway and i liked seeing like what that would be as a ghost that he is just sort of haunting his favorite subway car he's like just crouched down reading someone's newspaper at one point and then when he gets mad he just walks down the subway i'll knock at everyone's things in like a fit of rage it was like i kind of want to see your story man and we kind of do we kind of, it's implied that we see how he died. And it was, I hesitate to say suicide because it wasn't like, it wasn't born of like depression or a conscious effort. It was more, he was just unwell. And I think there was, what I liked about him was there seemed to be a whole movie within the movie having to do with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it definitely, it was suicide. I just think it was like mental illness, suicide. Like it's, or at least it seemed to me, we don't see what happened to him. Like we just- he kind of reveals it by being like, someone pushed me. Why do you think I'm lying? How dare you? I didn't jump. Like, And
2: then he jumps.
0: Yeah. he so, yeah, And runs on, onto the tracks.
2: I feel like that part of it, I felt was a, I think it was a missed opportunity. Like there's a better movie here where yes. it's just like, I wish they had come up with something where it's just like, he has to solve this. I mean, maybe it's stupid, but he has to solve <laughs> this in like a, a finite amount of time or he's stuck on earth forever or something's going to happen because like you see how this guy is just stuck. Like he's in purgatory. He's stuck here. He's going insane because he's like, he can't get out. He He's stuck in this repetitive world of the subway in the subway car. And I'm just like, maybe if just like maybe if old man in the hospitals, like you got to have an end game or something like that. Like he has to find out or he gets stuck or he ends up wasting away into the ether. That's more interesting to me, but like that was that's way too complicated of a movie. I think for what they were going for, they're just like, yeah, we want sexy actors <laughs> falling in love in the astral plane, and, and that's what we want.
1: I was failing to make pottery, but I do agree—not to talk over you—but I do agree that there is the, the the movie seemed to have rules that weren't defined to us oh. <laughs> specifically when when Shwayze dies, he clearly gets the option to go into the light or remain here on earth. And you kind of think, okay, well, that's your option. Then he murders Carl yeah, that's... He in the murder of Carl. And the heavens are like, you know what? No, let's give him a second shot. You, murder... you were
0: smearing Ghost Swayze's name. He did not murder, Carl killed himself in a very doofusy, stupid way. <laughs> feel... I did not remember Carl's death being that stupid, but I, Carl I... killed himself.
2: That was the thought I was having watching the ending. I was just like, how does Swayze go to heaven? Like, he straight up murders this guy, right? And then it's like, you're watching and no, Carl just trips on a shard of glass? I don't know,
0: because Carl keeps batting the, like, the hook thing that's on a rope at Swayze, as if it will hurt Swayze, who is a ghost and, like, he's batting that thing and it just happens to fly back at him and, like, Keeps hitting the window. Hits the
1: glass twice it's as he's like
0: murders. backing into the window, and then it just happens to fall on him.
2: Okay, so Swayze... And also, that's a '90s trope because didn't um, isn't in the hand that rocks the cradle? They break the the um, the the hot Rebecca
0: hop. de Mornay has the greenhouse. The and greenhouse,
2: she- and then that breaks and that kills her, or that kills somebody. She she yeah. kills
0: uh, Julie. Spoiler alert: She kills Julianne, Julianne Moore.
2: Moore. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that's a '90s thing. It's like you know, breaking glass could really murder you. That was the worst one because it's like, it just fell. Falling
1: glass and quicksand, two very easy ways to die in the 90s.
0: And also, uh, Carl has enough room to move. Like, Carl's like kind of just like laying there being like, oh no! Which is like one of the trips I hate. It's like, just move Carl, there's glass! Or
1: like, <laughs> Carl, leave town, man. The money's gone. Like you should be on the run instead of like taking a swing at a ghost in like your friend's apartment.
2: What sucks is that that uh, the other guy, the other bad guy, whose name totally just dis- uh, escaped my name, Willie Willie Li- Lopez. Willie Lopez gets sandwiched in between two cars, like very terribly, and then gets devoured by shadow puppets. That's fr- that's that's the way the big bad goes out, not the second-in-command, the second-in-command falls on the glass, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess they were like, no, because he almost fell out the window that one time, so he's gonna get impaled with glass. And I was like, all right, sure. But, like, I did think he murdered him, too, but he's just, Carl's dumb.
0: Well, because Swayze also looks upset when Carl, like, I don't think he was like, oh, Carl needs to die. I think he wanted Carl to go to jail. And so when he when he dies, he kind of has this moment of like, "Uh, oh, like you can't really help him. uh,
1: Carl's extra dumb because like Carl like gets up from the window, looks at Swayze and Swayze's like, oh, Carl. And like Carl kind of looks like, oh, it's good to see you. And it's like, okay, one, it's not good to see him. You tried to murder him Two, you successfully murdered him. And now you're looking at him. What does that say about your situation, Carl? Carl... Let's think critically. Carl was not
0: trying to murder him.
1: He wasn't. He wasn't?
0: No, that's what I found interesting. I I yeah. discovered that on this watch, that, like, Carl she said to Willie, you were just supposed to steal his wallet. You killed him yeah. and A man died. I missed reason, that.
2: Yeah, because the reason the whole thing happens, he gets the wallet, and then Demi Moore is saying something, and Willie, being an asshole, like, slaps Demi Moore, punches Demi Moore, and so Swayze... It's not Swayze, by the way. Swayze is an early 2000s, like frat boy hip-hop outfit uh, or act i should say um so it's swayze swayze i apologize
1: to all the to to both the patrick swayze fans and the swayze fans out there yeah
2: yes both of them all four of them left (laughs) but they um yeah so he fights him and then he ends up shooting him because he tries to, sh- he, yeah, so, like, that was, he was never, in- he never intended to kill him.
1: Oh, I missed but, that. When he said a man died, I thought he was saying to, like, Willie, like, take
2: this seriously, we're in the show. Well, no, then, we- then he wants to kill Odame. Then he's like, well, fuck it, kill her. You know, it was like, yes, the yeah. seal's broken.
0: But I think he's at, he's at a point of where he's like, it's them or me, because, yeah. like, the drug dealers are going to kill him. But, like, in a, in a weird way, it's like, Sweezy dies for nothing, because, like he, he, if he had just thrown the wallet or given the wallet to Willie, he would have been fine. Like the wallet was the whole issue. So it makes it even more tragic to me when I like discovered that last night, I was like, oh man, like he didn't need to die. Like he could have just lived his life and and been fine. Had he not tried to fight back.
1: That's true. I mean, here's a question for everyone. I know we all wouldn't kill our best friend for $4 million. I hope. Uh, but I might orchestrate a mugging for $4 million yeah. on my best friend.
0: Well, so that's 1989 $4 million. Like, yeah. that's, that's what, like $20 million a day or Them, something? Them's are
1: Clinton bucks. Oof.
0: Because like Oda Mae is saying at one point, like when she gets the $4 million check, she's like, oh, I'm going to buy this building. I'm going to buy this block. And I was like, how far did 4 million get you back then? And how like, how cheap was the New York real estate? Like 4 million now, it's like you could maybe buy the building, yeah, but, but also probably not in that area. In
1: that day, you could have bought Crime Alley, like like Bill said, <laughs> for like two nickels and a button. Yeah. But- I'm,
2: done, I'm done now. Just check guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. Um, it's exponentially more.
1: Really? Are you, are you looking up the inflation right now?
2: I'm doing it right now.
0: <laughs>
1: that's Bill, a great guest doing more research for the podcast than we
2: really do in terms of. Yeah. That's almost like, it looks like it's almost like $10 million. So it's like, wow, <laughs> it's, <a lot. laughs> it's a lot. So, but yeah, so there's a, there's a lot happening here and I, I, Another thing, like I think, like I don't know if I, 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 totally bought was like they were like in love. They obviously loved each other, and then he's, she's like, "Let's get married," and he's like, "Whoa, I'm gonna get crazy, Swayze defensive because you never wanted to talk about this." Boom, dead. And then it was like I never got the whole feeling of like, oh no, I never got to tell you I love you. And then he tells her through Whoopi Goldberg, "I love you," and she's like, "He would never say that." And it's just like. I don't know. I never felt like did you guys feel like there was like they actually resolved things in the end? I mean, sort I, of feels like I,
1: right. I kind do. Of. Yeah, because in the end he does when he is for some reason she's able to see him, which oh, again, what are the rules? He
2: Jesus, that's right. Yeah.
1: She's able to see him and he just he does kind of have the moment of like I love you. I've always loved you. Uh yeah. I got to go, but <laughs> it's like what?
0: I also, I feel like she's the reason he doesn't leave. Like, you know, yeah. when he initially dies and he sees the lights and everything. I I do feel like part of why this is such a, like a a big romantic classic is I think he holds on because he's not ready to leave her.
1: Yeah. And again, I don't know. That, that feels like a really big decision to like not go into the light because he wants to stay with her. But it is undercut a little bit that he gets a second chance in the light. Due well, to you know what, does, here's what doesn't work.
2: I think the whole... Argument between the two, under like is man feels so manufactured. Like it doesn't feel natural. It feels like everything else. That's what bothered. That's what bothered. not that it didn't make sense. It was just like the argument didn't make sense because it was just like you didn't need them to fight about that in order to be like oh no I never got to tell her how I really felt. Like no you're here because you love her. Like that it's you're not losing anything from that. You know what I mean? It's like you're not losing anything because you didn't say I love you. You're losing it because you do love her, which is very obvious. You literally, you guys had sex in pottery. That takes commitment. Like, you know, know, that's going to get everywhere. And it's just like, and I'm not talking about the body. Just you have to clean the apartment, which you just renovated from like when Edgar Allan Poe lived there. It's just like, but it's, it's. And if you've ever had to do a deep
1: clean with your spouse in a New York City apartment. Like, that does take commitment.
0: Well, no, I see. I know what you mean. Like, the dialogue, I didn't like that dialogue specifically because it feels like when the the cop is like, yeah, tomorrow's my retirement, you know, he's about to die. Like, (laughs) it was so just like, oh, they're like, well, let's talk about marriage. Like you never wanted to talk about marriage before. Oh, it's a big marriage conversation. Yeah. Pardon Um, me, Batman's parents. Yeah. Like they're just poised on like, they're like, clearly they're poising. they just moved in together. They're about to get married. Like uh, they have their whole lives ahead of each other, you know, and then it's like dead. Well,
1: so we're we're getting into the ending a little bit and I do want to pose one more question to you both before we move on to our next segment, which is put yourself in Demi Moore's shoes for a moment she experiences a horrible horrible loss then she experiences something incredibly supernatural incredibly hopeful and in many ways incredibly romantic in the end when he does say like i've always loved you and she's able to hear him and they're able to share like a final goodbye it's beautiful and she is i think in this movie late 20s early 30s 20s yeah could she ever love again, <laughs> like I, reasonably? <laughs> yes.
0: I wrote in my notes. I feel so bad for her next boyfriend. Yes, there's yes, just no exactly. way that your love that next love story is never going to compare to the, the the boyfriend who died but stayed by your side to protect you. Yes, like he he stayed away from heaven because he needed to protect you. Found a lady to bring over so he could get in her body to give you a hug. One that last- like, there's never going to be a love story that's going to be that epic. It's like she's going to meet another guy at like a bar. Go
1: out a couple
2: of times, right? I, she's so, I mean, like, it, it, that's the one thing we don't talk about. It's like, you always talk about, like, romantic comedies, like, like where it, like, if, if you guys ever saw the, or the play The Fantastic, that was in it in high school. Jerry Orbach was famously in this. And it's always, it's about, like, what happens after the romantic comedy or tragedy ends? Like, what's the fallout of that? And it's, like, two people who are like, oh, maybe we were just brought together by this. Uh, all right, I don't know. But it was, like, It's much more poetic and well written than my summation. But (laughs) with this, it's just like, you're like, wow, this great romantic moment. It's just like, she is going to be a hollow shell of a human being. Yeah. Because now it's like, forget the romance for a second. Fucking ghosts are real.
0: Yeah. You the now- afterlife exists
2: you, but Yeah but it's like you know ghosts are around Like anywhere so now you're If it was me I'd be like well that thing just fell Obviously that's a ghost shit I got ghosts in my house Is it a ghost that's mad at me I don't know is it my dad or like who is this Is it my dog like what is Happening right now <laughs> Goodbye porno never watching that again Cause there's no know such that. thing as privacy
1: he <laughs> <It
0: feels, laughs> <it feels laughs> willing to push through
2: <laughs> Listen you know Some people like an audience <laughs> <laughs> Not- (laughs) but maybe she does i mean jesus you have ceiling wall you know ceiling to floor goddamn windows in this apartment you're you're basically doing pottery in a t-shirt and then doing it in front of the entire city uh which is just full of joker's army apparently like (laughs) it's just like this is what's happening but like for me it's like she knows ghosts are real like she's never gonna find another guy like this or any, or he, he, she will never find a partner like this. And then she has this weird relation. Like, where does her and Otome go? Like, are they friends now, or it's just like, I'll catch you later, pal. Like, this was a fun adventure through the world of ghosts. Like, she is screwed. Like, she's
1: screwed. She, I mean, her and Otome might be able to find a way to make money, but she, other than that,
2: not filming that. But yeah. yeah but
0: I actually I wanted to know so does this movie posit a world where only good people can become ghosts because like every time somebody bad died immediately without a choice they were just dragged to hell by the shadow monsters Mm. so like are the only people that are able to be like not now uh, maybe later to like the the death that comes to them like that the afterlife that comes to them is it only when you are potentially in heaven because it seems like that was a Somewhat of a choice, at least like for Patrick Swayze, it seemed like a choice for the the old man at the hospital waiting for his wife to die. It seemed like it was a choice.
2: But the guy on the table, he got when he dies, he goes immediately up.
0: Yeah, I was wondering yeah. that but- too. Like it didn't seem like a choice for him, but-, but it definitely didn't seem like a choice for the two bad guys.
2: But the subway guy, I mean, he kills himself. So like, there's like we we're saying, there's like rules here. Yeah, but we don't know what they are, so you have to assume.
0: Because Subway guy didn't seem like he was necessarily a bad person. I mean, he may not not right, have
2: been- but that's that's what I'm saying. Like he he, you assume that he commits suicide, and but if he was pushed, maybe he's like, you know, do you have time to find justice? You know, do you have time to like, like because they stepped away from the like, it's like there's rules here that get really hand waved that are just because this was like, listen guys, again, it's like the bank, it's like all this stuff is like we don't care about this stuff. We want to make everyone cry. <laughs> and everyone horny. So, like, this is what we want, and that's what they succeed at. Because, like, it is satisfying to see these really crappy villains. And there really are, like, one thing about this, like, Carl and Willie are bad dudes. like Horrible guys. Horrible guys. There's no gray area here. And, uh, yeah, so, like, they deserve it. But also, it's like, well... But good people can do stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's like Doctor Who. It's like, oh, it's timey-wimey. So, meh, whatever, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's like, when are they kissing?
1: <laughs> so now those are just sort of the general thoughts. There's so much we could cover about this movie. I We could go on forever. But in the interest of time, let's get into our next segment, which is we're all going to go around the horn and pick our favorite it could be your it could be the sexiest moment of the movie the funniest moment of the movie what was your favorite moment of ghost and bill being our honored guest i'm gonna put it to you first so no one can steal your answer
2: Patrick Swayze's crazy eyes when he finds out he's dead. He just <laughs> has these moments where he has the most unnatural facial expressions. People don't make these. Like, it seems like someone just, like, made, like, his face, like, putty. And he was just, like, we're just going to inflate his eyes a little bit and have them bug out. And he's just trying to act so hard. It's so bad. And Patrick Swayze is not a bad actor. It's like, this is just bad. And, like, to me, I could watch that. All day, every day, and twice on Sunday because it is just so <laughs> ludicrous, and I just, I just need it. I, I like, I might go back and just like YouTube it later just to watch it and laugh because it's so bad, but it's so amazing. Swayze, crazy eyes.
1: Although I do, I will say, uh, maybe it wasn't on purpose, but I do appreciate that in a moment as absurd as looking at your own dead body and realizing you're a ghost and all of that. I do feel like what I would see in a human being in that moment is nothing I've ever seen before. And I'll give it to Swayze. He, those facial expressions were nothing I'd ever seen before. I think
0: it's a hard thing to, like, you, you have just realized you're dead and you're looking at your own body. Like, potentially God exists, afterlife exists. Like, play that right now. Go. Like, it's like, that's a lot to, I could see being like, ah...
1: Ooh. God exists. Uh, it's like, a- <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ali, what was your favorite, best, sexiest moment of this movie?
0: Um, so I'll I'll give kind of two. So one is I didn't realize. As a, just in memory from this movie, I did not remember the the clay pottery thing. I didn't remember it getting as sexy when like they clearly have washed their hands at some point because they have clean hands when they're like doing their sexy thing after. I didn't remember it going so sexy. So I, I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, this is very sensual.
1: Yeah, we like both looked at each other during that scene and we're like, man, they get into it in the yeah. 90s.
0: Uh, so I didn't, rem- I didn't remember it getting like that. But I think my favorite part is actually when he is in, uh, will be Goldberg's body And is getting to have like a last moment with Demi Moore. Because I did find that really poignant. And like, I read a lot of bad reviews of this movie last night. And I actually, I think everyone's really great in it. And I really think that like, I loved that moment between them. And I thought Patrick Swayze in particular did a really great job of like, he knows this is the last time that he's ever going to hug the love of his life. And like, this is, he hasn't held her in days. And like, this is his last moment with her. And I felt that, like, I got really choked up seeing like the way that he was holding her and like closing his eyes and like really trying to like take it in I was like this is a great moment like I I wanted to like sob hysterically. I thought of it earlier today and cried like honestly like that's how moved I was by it It (laughs) I hope
1: hope you don't mind me revealing this but once this movie was done we were like we we make a rule like when we watch a movie for the podcast we don't talk about it after when this movie was done you were very cute you just sort of like sidled up to me and put your head on my shoulder and it was just very sweet and I think uh, It made me sad. She's getting emotional right now. Let's all be quiet. I think she's going to cry. No.
2: No! <laughs> oh, We don't do that. Um, no. Only I, I cry when I'm drunk on this. <laughs> uh, but no, it, that is a great moment as much as I like to bag on this but because there's plenty to bag on. It's a ludicrous movie but it's also a, it's a class. It is a classic but like he is that is like the the real honest moment of the movie that's like the most honest thing in this movie even I think more honest than his monologue at the end I think it's just like because it's just as you said it's the last time like physical contact because I didn't think it's been days I feel like it's like months but I could be wrong
1: I couldn't figure out how long (laughs) it's hard because he's (laughs) he's like sitting on the windowsill at one point and they're packing up his things and that could be days later that could be weeks later it's everyone sort of does that in their own time For me, in terms of favorite moments, we touched on it a little, so I'll be brief, but I did really like the whole subplot with the guy on the train. I just thought in a movie that's, that's dense with a lot of plot, a lot of cuckoo bananas stuff. You did have this kind of self-contained story. And that actor whose name I wish I knew off the top of my head.
0: He's in a lot. Yeah. He's
1: he's in a lot. Of, I do know that he, he hasn't passed away, but yeah. in that scene, he's very scary. Like the first time you see him yeah. and he just kind of charges Swayze, like Swayze. I'm in my head about it now. And he just kind of charges him. It's, scary and you see that he can break the glass and as a viewer you're like oh oh that's that's a big deal um so i think yeah for the the writing of that subplot within this already dense movie uh was really good and it 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 became a focal point him teaching uh sam how to do this stuff so that's i think that's i think gonna be mine Now, before we get into...
2: He is is very frightening.
1: He's very frightening. So now that we've all run through our favorite moments from the movie, I'm going to run through some trivia. And spoiler alert, I'm going to end this one with a little game for you guys. So... Uh, one of the first things I found uh, that comes up a lot is actually that Whoopi Goldberg was only really in this movie because Swayze fought so hard for her. Uh, I don't know if they were friends, but he clearly admired her and like just really went to the mat for her. He wasn't going to do this unless she was part of it. So when we talk about that comic relief and her being in there and... Balancing the two subplots, we do in large part have Swayze to thank for that.
0: And like, we were laughing about the fact that like she won an Oscar for this, but like she's great in this movie, she's, she's fantastic. Everything. Like, it's just it's funny because she doesn't have like what you would think is like a role that would get you an Oscar, but she is like everything she does. I think she's pitch perfect.
2: I'll throw this back to you guys. According to Wikipedia, when I was reading it yesterday in between commercials, um, <laughs> if I watched it was. Tina Turner and Oprah Winfrey had both read for this role and that's a very different and I don't think as good movie with either one of them because he needed the natural comedic timing of Whoopi Goldberg to make this yes.
0: movie. Yeah, that's like a heavy movie. That's like a
1: lifetime movie.
2: <laughs> that's yeah. that. That's just called, God, I feel worse about my life watching this movie.
1: <laughs> I love Oprah, but she doesn't exactly bring the yucks. So the, uh, the other thing you mentioned that you were scared by, they're not called wraiths, but I'm going to go ahead and call them wraiths that drag you to hell. You mentioned you were scared by them and watching this as an adult, the noise they emitted horrified me. It's if you've ever listened to like the sound of hell, they like bore a drill in there and supposedly did like the sounds of hell. And it sounds like people screaming. It turns out what this was for this movie was just the sound of babies crying slowed way down. Oh, yeah. So that's why it's like viscerally disturbing. Oh, God. damn! They didn't make babies like babies cry. And then they just slowed it down. So it's they weren't there just like jabbing a child.
2: You want this bottle? Cry for Patrick Swayze.
1: We <laughs> we also mentioned Swayze being a great, a-, a pretty good actor, and I actually respect this. He did this movie. He said, "quote for his soul," because he was worried about being typecast as just an action hero. He wanted to flex his other acting muscle, which not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. If you're a successful action star. No one's going to demand that of you. You have to demand it of yourself as an artist. And I always respect when people do that. So a little, little, little shout out to you, Swayze. I'll,
2: I'll throw another one to you. You know who turned the role down?
1: Well, hold, hold that thought because we're going to oh, get I'll into it.
2: You know it, okay.
1: Actually, you know what? Tell us because th- tell, tell us who turned the role down.
2: Bruce Willis. Yep. He turned it down because according to Wikipedia, like they they always said like all these people they had considered, but he was the one who turned it down. And he said he was stupid, a knucklehead for doing it because when he read the script, he didn't get it. He said he <laughs> Understand it, and I'm like, it's pretty easy. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't get it; he just wasn't vibing with it. And they
1: were married at the time, him and Demi Moore, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. um Power couple. Power
1: couple. They were. I they don't...
0: were known as like the most famous couple. The time. And
2: yeah, they started playing Hollywood together. Like that was like yeah. their big baby. They was there was with other people, but they were like the impetus behind it. I don't know if this movie works at Bruce Willis, I, who I am a fan. I like when Bruce yeah, Willis yeah. does a good dramatic role. Awesome. This one. I don't know.
0: <laughs> do you think that's why he took the sixth sense? He was like, "Okay, I will spoil it." He's like, "I'll be the ghost in this one." Oh, like
2: I'm gonna do it. I would love to know that if that was the reason he did it. I think that would be. Maybe awesome he didn't
0: script. understand that script, but he was like, "Ah, I'm a ghost, though. I know that." <laughs>
2: well, but... wait a second. I oh, get yeah, to I'm be not, a ghost I, I, now.
1: I know from ghost movies, and I, I read the script, and I I don't see any pottery wheels. <laughs> this
2: is <this>. all right. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's as. Like you said, with Swayze, like Swayze fits that romantic lead, yeah. whereas Bruce Willis, I don't I don't know if that works. You know what I mean? Like, again, good in other stuff, good in Pulp Fiction, good in Sixth Sense, good in when he wants to be traumatic, he's good. But this, that, uh, no, especially because he was John McClane, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah, I think he would have tried to, like, out funny Whoopi Goldberg and failed, like, whereas Swayze sort of knew his place. Yeah. Uh, and just was acting straight man against well, her. And,
0: he ha- and Swayze has like that vulnerability that he's not afraid to bring. Like, he's a dancer. He's like, I'm willing to, you know, show different sides of myself. I'm willing to be a drag queen in a movie. And I don't think Bruce Willis has ever shown that he's willing to really be that sensitive. Like, I think his best performance is Sixth Sense and he's great in that movie, but he's not someone that's going to be like, I'm going to show how much I love this woman passionately. You know, like, yeah, there's not like that depth to his performances.
1: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of depth to performances, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but just to solidify it, this role got the ball rolling for Demi Moore as being a leading lady, a real household name, and it just sort of graduated her career, and by 1996 with Striptease, I believe, Mm -hmm. she was the highest paid actress in Hollywood, and many believe you can have you have ghosts to thank for that and also a weird bit of trivia i read too was that she didn't tell the director she was planning to cut her hair she just kind of showed up to set and he was like initially upset and then was like you know what it works they're like contemporary artist types like this i'm into this
0: there's actually a whole story behind that though because i saw her eat to hollywood story and she did it on purpose to piss off the director because she thought that Molly was written too, like, wimpy and sensitive. And she kept fighting with the director being like, no, she needs to have more agency. She can't just be, like, crying and, like, sad the whole movie. She needs to have some strength. And he was like, he just kept fighting with her about it. So she cut her hair so that she wouldn't have that, like, stereotypical feminine look. And he was very angry.
1: Oh, really? I see. Now, I <clears throat> I had that later on that she was very specific about how she wanted to play this character in mourning. She wanted to make sure she had strength to it, but I didn't know the hair was connected to that. That's interesting. Thank you for, thank you for bringing that up, my love.
2: Uh, Yeah. She's great in this movie. It just really is. I think she, sometimes we overlook her performance because you have Whoopi Goldberg and and Patrick Swayze, you know, giving big, very big, grandiose performances and she's maybe more of an understated performance, but she's not, the there's the tissues everywhere type of stuff. And the stuff she does, like it really shows off in her stuff with Tony Goldwyn when she's just like, no, she, she really keeps him in an arm's length and she yeah. doesn't trust him. Like it's, it's really, she's really great in this movie. I
1: Another. See. Oh, I'm sorry. Another thing in that vein too, the infamous shot where she's sitting at the top of the stairs after learning that Otome is a bit of a huckster. And she just kind of rolls the lucky penny jar down the stairs that was scripted as her getting angry and just whipping it against the wall. And she decided, like, no, she's not angry. She's defeated. She's deflated. She's hopeless in this moment. And what do you do? You just fucking roll a jar down the stairs and you don't care what happens to it. And I think that's so much more interesting and such a better choice as an actress.
2: Oh, 100%. Than what was scripted? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Because anyone could throw a glass against the wall and everyone yeah. has. We've seen it so many times.
1: Yeah. And it just wouldn't be in the character that we'd seen to that date. Now, apparently they shot the movie out of sequence. So I don't know, but, she never got angry but she did get defeated uh
0: like when she she does get angry at like Ota May and stuff and, but she's she's never like stereo i think she's really great in this movie too she brings like a nuance to like the grief and she's, yeah. she's not just one note all the time you can see her like to having to figure things out so it's like she does get up and try and like leave Ota May at the diner but she doesn't like she's not like shut up you're you
1: know like, not a take she's not a rage monster even yeah. in that moment she's like what are you, like, what are you doing to me? Like, I can't handle this and you ought to know that. And uh, yeah, so Demi Moore, out of this world performance, also should have been nominated for something. She's nominated for Golden Globe. Good for her. Let's see. Oh, you mentioned that you think your parents rented this movie. They were not alone. In 1991, this was the most rented cassette ever. And apparently it came out in like Ghost White, which also made it. Like how Nickelodeon movies used to come out in like Bright Orange.
0: I remember that.
1: Speaking of alternative actresses, Julia Roberts was considered for the role of Demi Moore. She was like the first choice, but definitely wouldn't have worked. Even if she was like, you know, that era's heartthrob, or not quite yet,
2: but...
0: She was on the verge of really... Like, I think she had just done Pretty Woman, 1990.
2: Mm, I feel like she was nominated... Uh, I want to say Pretty Woman was 91. The only reason I was, no, it was 90. You're right. I thought that got nominated for an Oscar. She for was nominated some- for
0: Steel Magnolias before this, so like she'd been nominated for Best Supporting, I think, already at that
1: point.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, she. No, I'm sorry, she was nominated for Best Actress for that. Uh, for that year. So. Oh. For, for uh, Pretty Woman, yeah, I knew, I knew it was something. But yeah, but that was like concurrently those two. Those were those were huge movies that year. Yeah.
1: All right, two more before we get into the game. The game that Bill might already be able to uh, win, but there are a total of 20 ghosts that appear throughout this movie. And there is also the scene where Sam is in bed worrying that these things happen in threes. And if you go through and look at all of the deaths, including the sort of side ghost characters, they all happen in threes.
0: Hmm. now did, wait did you have who else turned down the role?
1: well that's what i'm gonna no. ask you both I know that there were a ton yeah maybe this isn't gonna be as good of a game as i thought but there were there's a laundry list of actors who were considered before they ultimately went with swayze and i wanted to ask you both it seems like you both know one but i wanted you to also do your best to guess
0: i oh, know i knew one for demi moore's
1: oh for demi moore's, yeah, demi moores? I... Molly,
0: molly ringwald molly ringwald turned it down
2: she turned it, and it down yeah it, it
0: was down. like a big regret of hers Like i didn't
2: see yeah. that oh that would i don't think I, I think
0: she also turned down pretty woman that's such a like she had like bad judgment that year what did
1: she do that year then
0: I, yeah not much
1: <laughs> although
0: i actually think she would have been miscast in both unfortunately that's true, I, I do
1: too. sorry I, molly yeah well so then i want to ask who do you think 1990 figure the movie's filming 1989 who do you think let's all, list one or if you have more an actor who you think was considered for Sam Wheat
2: I, I, I read the list last night so Harrison Ford is one of them
1: Harrison Ford is one of them what do you got Allie
0: my guess would be Tom Cruise
1: Tom Cruise he is also on the list I will read the full unless anyone wants to spit out one more see if they can go to Mel ten. Gibson Tom Mel Hanks. Gibson was on the list Tom Hanks Tom Hanks was on the list along with
2: which was which would have been real weird because he was not the tom hanks we all know in 19 19- now in 1990
1: yeah yeah like sam does need to be a bit of a heartthrob he does need to be not that tom hanks isn't attractive but like he no, needs to be like Swayzy tom attractive. hanks has
0: never never been a heartthrob let's let's be fair he's, so- he's an everyman he's known as like the everyman yeah uh
1: also
2: consistent- sure, Woody. like come on that's <laughs>
1: Now, Woody in this movie, I would watch. No. Also oh, yes. considered were Kevin Bacon, mm. Alec Baldwin, no. Nicholas Cage, which, I, hell yeah, I'd love to see that. No. No. It'd <laughs> be it's a totally different movie, but I would watch that movie. Kevin Costner, mm. sure. No. Uh, Johnny Depp, big no thanks. No. David Duchovny.
2: Not famous enough.
0: Yeah, he was probably rejected.
1: For yeah. That. But I, I think about the movie that could have been. Harrison Ford, as you mentioned, Mel Gibson, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Paul Hogan—that's
2: terrible. That, That's yeah, terrible. Crocodile Dundee is gonna be—it's gonna be Sam Wheat. No way. It's like good night. It's like good night, out of my. like I need you to help me talk to my Sheila over there, and you're just like, shut
1: up. <laughs> like, you do kind of a good Australian accent. Good.
2: It's all—it's all relative. Um, I also have an Australian friend who I do that in front of, and he would hate it. Uh, but. Um, <laughs> The only one of that list I think that works. Well, there's a couple more. Oh shit! Nice. This is
1: an interesting one that I know you'll appreciate. Is Kevin Kline?
0: Yeah, I love Kevin Kline. Love
1: Kevin
2: Kline. I think that would have worked. Would or wouldn't? I think Kevin Kline would have worked. I think. Yeah, I think he's one of those. He's he he can do that. Very strong
1: thing. actor. Dennis Quaid, eh. Mickey Rourke.
2: Different movie. That's 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 like skin different of Max. movie. That's a skin of Max
1: movie. Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Travolta. No. Oh.
2: He was in Look Who's Talking at that time. He was not...
0: I actually think 1990... Think of, like, Edward Scissorhands, Johnny Depp. Could have brought the right... He would have been too young, I think, but he could have brought the right vulnerability to it.
1: The right vulnerability, the wrong, like, strong jaw type. He would be, like, better as, like, an artist contemporary of hers. I don't think I could buy him as, like... The Wall Street guy back. If
0: you watch him in Nick, Nick of Time? He's like,
2: oh yeah, good movie.
0: Yeah, and he's kind of a business. He's like a generic business guy. There, he. But has in been,
2: 1990, he was like crybaby Tim Burton. you right. Jump like it was, still still, was 21 Jump Street. I still think like something about Kevin Bacon. I'm just like ah kind of see it, but he's a little too funny, especially at that time. He was still in rom coms around that time, so yeah. like yeah. I don't know. I, Swayze was the, he was the right guy.
0: He just had that Swayze right balance of like action hero with vulnerability. Like it just, <laughs> worked well,
1: it, it's interesting reading the list because a lot of these, cho- a lot of these choices would not work. A lot of these choices would work, but it would be a different movie. And this movie was already on the cusp of being totally forgettable or the hit that we know it to be today. And I do think in reading that list, it comes down to the cast. I think yeah. replace Whoopi Goldberg movie might work, but it's different. Demi Moore, Swayze. Same deal. I think across the board, this movie comes down to the performances.
0: Well, it's interesting because like I, I think the movie would be very different with Harrison Ford, but I would watch that movie because I I would be curious to see what would happen. He he tries to bring some vulnerability sometimes in roles.
2: Back
1: then he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, he would have been yeah, I mean oof, that was height. That was the height of Harrison too. Yeah. <laughs> that was like last crusade time. He
0: would have put some energy into it, I think.
1: And for the, I don't think this has come up on the podcast before, but you can add Harrison Ford to the list of like Vigo Mortensen and other heartthrobs that my wife particularly loves.
0: Oh yeah. I love Harrison Ford. <laughs> I, you, everyone swoons for Harrison Ford. I don't care who you are. I, Straight, gay, man, fair. woman, non-binary. He's, he's sexy.
1: He's Harrison Ford. Fair. Yeah. I'm just saying he's a particular heartthrob. We'll, we'll have career.
2: you on next year for the Indiana Jones podcast
1: yes yeah,
2: 80 year old indiana jones i am looking forward to hearing <laughs> the first about harrison ford
0: He's, he still is good
2: i wonder could you here's my question for you because i'm not i'm not the host could they because we do they do this shit all the time could they remake this movie today
0: i was thinking of this Great last night. question i was thinking about this i i feel like they would gender swap it if they were going to make yes, it yes
2: i agree i agree yeah I would rather, yeah, I definitely, yeah. And I don't know who you'd cast because I just came up with a question now. But yeah, I think you would gender swap it for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I think you would gender swap it. And there's enough... Uh. We, we talked a lot in this podcast how there are clearly defined rules in this movie, yeah. but there are also big gaps in those rules. And I think that's exactly the recipe for a good remake, some good world building. You could even do like a loose sequel reboot kind of thing where like the events of this movie happened, but it's kind of happening again in some capacity, like her daughter or they just like live in the same loft or some like crap like that. But I think 100% you could remake this movie and I'm surprised no one's tried yet
0: and i think that the same-sex kiss would happen like, I think, like, if it was, mm. I think yeah. partially why I think that they don't have the ghost Sam kiss her when he's in Whoopi Goldberg's body. Partially, I think it's because there is a part of you that, that I, would, I, like, kind of disconnect and be like, well, she's really kissing Whoopi Goldberg, even if they used Patrick Joyce's yeah. body. But I think there's also, like, a bit of a homophobia that was, like, in 1989 that, like, yeah. probably colored them not doing it. Today, I think they would be like, yeah, let them, let I don't know, maybe even have Zags. Like, who knows? It would
1: also be a great opportunity for a young ghost actor Stace. to be able. Able to prove they can play like we uh, i'm thinking of like chucky specifically where fiona dorf plays her father like brad dorf as chucky like you can do a nice moment where you have an actor or actress proving they can embody this other character yeah
2: yeah it definitely was like if there was a a same-sex kiss in this movie this immediately would be the most controversial thing ever Mm -hmm. like movie i mean as a kid i can remember just like so many different types of movies the controversy around things just would explode like if we thought you think today is conservative like 1990 is like holy something like that holy shit people were like losing their minds over stuff constantly was like on the news all the time and everyone was up in arms
1: well that's uh all i have for trivia now there's a ton of trivia out there as you can see both of our ge- our, our guests and my wife's like schooled me on a few things uh there's a ton of trivia for ghost but those are like the broad strokes some of the most interesting ones i found now we're gonna get into our final segment of the podcast which is a quick one uh we're gonna go around the horn and say would we recommend ghost for this one i'll start because it feels like a no-brainer ghost is a classic it's beautiful it's funny it's crazy, but in a fun, good kind of way. It's dated, but also in a fun way. Like it holds up in turn. There's no like weirdly glaring homophobic or racist moment or anything like that. The parts that feel dated are like, you know, when they're watching Arsenio or something like that. Or like that.
0: using a computer. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, it, the, So the movie holds up. It's beautiful. It's well written. And there's a lot of ter- like fertile territory there. So I would recommend Ghost. Allie, what do you think?
0: I, I always tell people i unabashedly love this movie i don't find it a guilty pleasure or anything i will scream from the rooftops that i love. i would say this is probably in my like maybe like top 50 movies because like that's actually pretty high i love movies like, i love movies <laughs> i would say definitely top 50 maybe top 30 i'd okay. have to really go through and write my list out but i love this movie it's one of my favorite romances i think it's i think it's really beautiful and i think it's very unique and i think it cuts deep to like a love like to really like i i was telling you last night like or a little while ago that Watching it, having been in a relationship, being in love now versus watching it when I was like 12, I really felt so connected to it, like so much more. And it really, I felt like it touched me. And I I, I, I think if you've ever been in love, it would really, you know, if you haven't seen Ghost, you should watch it. Yeah. And if you've seen it, you should watch it again.
1: And last but not least, Bill, you've been an awesome guest. <laughs> Come yeah. back anytime. Yeah, would I you think... recommend this movie?
2: You know, it, it, as bonkers as this movie is, as kind of sometimes not awesome as this movie can be at times and ridiculous. It's a classic for so many reasons. It's such a unique story. Like we've seen ghost stories. We've, we've seen romantic Gothic horror romances and stuff like that before, but like everything about this is like, it has all these elements of being uh, a comedy, but also being this Gothic romance at the same time in a city that is very heightened and dark at times, but also it's still rooted in being very funny with Whoopi goldberg giving probably one of her best performances of all time it's a unique story because of the whole medium aspect of it and how it's not just also a romance it's also a mystery it's a murder mystery essentially and you and and it becomes a caper at one point point. and it's it has a lot of different genres it, pl- it, it plays in but also it's um the effects for the time were like groundbreaking and still even to this day is silly as they may seem they still hold up that you're like how did they do this because like listen cgi wasn't a thing you know really you know it wasn't as prevalent as it is today so it's like how did they actually do this and you know it is a bit of a time capsule throwback and it doesn't it's not just a time and a place movie there are certain films or songs or fashions or whatever you want to say that work really well in this one year one time period This is a timeless movie. You could put this on whenever you could put this on as a, you know, a a 20 something and you can still get the same feeling that your parents got when they watched it potentially when they were 20 somethings. And I think that's that's what's really cool about this film. And it is a classic. You can't we can't deny we can't deny it, even though it is sometimes it's very ridiculous. But I love that it embraces how ridiculous that it is.
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, you picked a great one, and you picked a great one to kick off Spooky Season. Uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with hopefully another Ookie spooky for you guys. But before we do that, Bill, where can the people find you?
2: Oh gosh, there's so many places. So if you want <laughs> follow me on Twitter, spoiler alert, it's like a lot of random wrestling references that people are like, I don't get what any of that means. And mostly retweets and likes from thepopbreak.com. It's the site I've been running. I'm the co-founder and editor-in-chief. I've been doing this. We just celebrated our 13th year doing this. So I'm very excited uh, that I'm still doing this after I push publish in my uh, now completely renovated and way out of my price range apartment down the Jersey Shore uh, in 2009 as my then girlfriend was like, uh, we're going to go out to dinner. What's taking you so long is <laughs> now my wife who's sitting in the other room with our daughter and our dog. Follow me. Like I said, at bodkin writes, but the pop uh, every single day, we're talking movies, music, pro wrestling, anime, comic books, TV, all sorts of great stuff. We're shooting a whole bunch of concerts again. It's great to be out doing that. And plus, we have an amazing podcast network. A uh, shout out to our podcast guru Alex Marcus, who you know is shepherding so many podcasts. For me, I am the co-host of the Socially Distanced Podcast, which drops every single Friday on all your favorite streaming platforms. It's myself and Al Manarino, our managing editor, and sometimes Amanda Rivas, who is our uh, our third our third host. Uh, we talk about all great things pop culture. We do a lot of reviews. We talk sometimes about pop culture subjects so go check that out on your all your favorite podcast platforms Uh, i'm also winding up uh potentially the first season of bill versus the mcu which is my rewatch of uh, and first watch actually of most of the marvel cinematic universe that's myself and alex find it on the Breakcast hub of the pop break uh, podcast networks on all your favorite podcast platforms i'm also alex and i team with josh Sarnecki to do tv break it's a monthly podcast where we talk about all the cool news in the world of television and review a new series follow us on, on twitter at the pop break follow us on instagram at the pop break and of course i'm gonna win the pop break fantasy football league as the orange casties for a second year in a row
1: damn you have the best plugs uh yeah so uh really bill versus the mcu it's a goodie it's on this feed when you finish this episode scroll up or scroll down and enjoy yourself uh ally my wife my love my darling uh
2: where can the people find you that
0: feels hollow after you used it on bill earlier it is hollow.
2: Oh, the next movie they're doing is hollow man
0: <laughs>
2: the um, most romantic movie
0: yeah right kevin bacon
2: well it's, it's about every man in every romantic movie they're just hollow and <laughs> until someone turns them around unless that turnaround is murder Allie, where can the people find you? Uh,
0: I am Anal Retentive on Instagram and Twitter, and that's A N E L R E T E N T I V E. It's an old nickname that I just like. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Anal Retentive. Uh, you can also find my writing where I cover entertainment on Parade.com, TV show that I cast, reality TV show. I was on Food Network this past summer, uh, Chef Boot Camp. So check that out. Uh, every single person there probably went through me. I cast them. And actually, if you haven't had enough, of Tyler and me like hearing us talk we actually guested on the socially distance podcast not so long ago I mean by the time this episode comes out I guess it was like maybe a month ago
1: that's true but
0: we talked about the first episode of She-Hulk and we had great things to say about it so yes. you could also find us there
1: and you can find me at Tyler McCarthy on Twitter and if you're interested in more of my ramblings you can find my work at USA Insider on the USA Network website this has been a great episode it's been a great movie movie enjoy your halloween season and we'll be back with our next episode in two weeks
0: thank you to mallory johns for our intro and outro music
1: and again special thanks to our producer alex marcus